It's another Monday, and David's here. Hello, David. How are you? Hello, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone. Pleased to have you here again. The sun is shining down. Great it's beautiful. To be in the garden this it's afternoon. absolutely beautiful. We had that shower of rain first thing yeah. this morning. It's cleared away, and we've got a sunny afternoon, which is absolutely brilliant. Perfect for the garden, and perfect for us to take phone calls to help out with problems and solutions for those in the garden. We've also got a prize for those that will go in the drawer every phone call we have today. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the prize being today, it's a fairly new little plant. It's an abelia. Now, an abelia is a fairly old-fashioned thing, but they brought out this new variety called bumblebee. Very, very pretty. It's a nice, compact little growth plant. Comes out in the little mauvey white flowers, little bell flowers. Good sunny spot in the garden, but nice and compact, so that's a really good one to keep in mind. As well as that, I've got a bottle of the Harvest. That's the one that we can just dilute with water, and we can water all our plants, our gardens, and our lawns if we really want to. As well as that, I'm giving away a bucket of the Amgro Aqua uh, Aqua Max. Now, this is the the restoring granules, the, the water retention granules. So, of course, once the weather dries up a little bit, this will come in handy, as well as some sachets in that bag as well. That's our prize pack. Now, to win that, you'll go in the draw by simply giving us a call, 49216216. Go to the phones now. There's a free line waiting there. I can see it right now. And coming back in a matter of moments with your calls. Gardening Talk back with David Peterson here at 2 in your FM 103.7. 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call, just as Carmel's done from Bellbird. Hello, Carmel. Oh, hello, David. Look, I just want to ask you, I have some hibiscus flowering at the moment mm-hmm. and camellias are full of buds, mm-hmm. ready to flower. When can I prune them as I don't really want to cut them at the moment? No, of course you don't. I mean, certainly with the camellias, you'll let those bloom. The hibiscus, yes. actually, you leave until round about October. We try and leave those right through the winter. They sometimes look a little bit untidy during the winter, but try not to cut them back during the winter months. But once we get into October, that's a good months to cut your hibiscus. With the camellias, it's a matter of when they finish flowering. So we've got sasanquas in flower at the moment. And of course, our japonicas will flower during the winter. And straight after they flower, that's when you can prune them back. And you can prune them back nice and hard if you really want to. Okay, then. All right, then. Thank you very much. But they're just getting a bit tall at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll let them flower first. Come, we'll take advantage of those beautiful flowers. Yes. And then once they're finished, you can give them a good hard prune. But don't forget, after you've pruned them, make sure you pop some really good fertiliser around them too to try and promote that really good, strong growth back. Do you recommend Osmocote or you prefer something else? I, I actually prefer the pelleted manures that you now get in the dry form. Just throw those around and they work particularly well. And, of course, they don't burn anything, Being most of them are being organic. Okay, good. All right, thank you, David. You're welcome, Carmel. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Sue joining us now from <laughs> Lambton. Hello, Sue. Hi, hi, David. How are good, you? Good, thank you. That's good. I just need some um, help with a cyclamen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just looking a bit... I've got it inside in a bathroom area, um, but it's just sort of the leaves going yellow and stuff and not as nice as I would like it Okay. To be. So is it only fairly new, Sue? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So just be careful because sometimes when you buy a cyclamen, they may be growing in a particular area and then all of a sudden you put them in a strange area and they've got to actually adjust to those conditions. Oh, okay. So just bear with that. I mean, certainly with cyclamen, make sure you do not overwater them because they, they rot very easily because they're a bulb. So just yeah. uh, make sure of that. Make sure they're in a, f- a position that they're getting a fair amount of good light. Yeah. The colder the better for cyclamen so therefore at the moment it's still a little bit warm but you we are seeing cyclamen start to appear so make sure even if you feel it's a bit warm inside during the night just pop it outside and it will appreciate the cold weather 
Okay, and do you water them from the bottom up? You, you try, yes, it's always wise to try and water them from the bottom up because if you go watering around the top, that's where the bulb is and sometimes if that gets a little bit too wet, it can start rotting the bulb. And the bathroom's got a skylight, so it's quite bright. That, that should be fine. That yeah. should be fine. But I'd still think at the moment with our, our, our day's temperatures being warm, inside retains the warmth a little bit of a night. So even if you just put it outside uh, when you're going to bed of a night and then bring it back in during the day. Cool. Thanks, Heaps, David. Have you're a great day. Thanks, Sue. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ta-da. It's 4921616 for Gardening Talk. Back. Give us a call. We're here right through until 1.30 today, taking your calls and a free line waiting there for you right now. Joined from Charlestown is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, David. How are you? Good, thank you. Mate, I'm trying to get rid of what I term mock tobacco plant. Right. One that has that leaf like a tobacco leaf and has a yellow berry on it. Yes, yes, that's that's definitely a weed and it grows extremely fast once you've got one deposited in your garden by a bird of some description. Um, when you've got a hundred deposits. Wow. <laughs> so you've got a flock of... Round up, clean them up. Well, look, it should, particularly when they're young, you, if you can try and spray the leaves whilst it's still actively growing, which, of course, they're still doing at the moment, if you can spray them really carefully, um, particularly the young foliage, that will draw that chemical into the plant and draw it down to the root system, just re- remembering that the Roundup doesn't affect the soil. So, so long as you just spray it onto the foliage, you should be okay. Right. Is there any other better product? Well, look, certainly Roundup Zero and Glyphosate are all the same strength these days. That would be the product that I would use. All right. Okay. All right. I'll give it a try. You yes, must have had thanks. a flock of birds flying over and they've oh, all deposited the seed. There was a tree in the backyard and uh, uh, the birds carted the berries <laughs> and, of course, uh, they're everywhere yes. now. They're all, uh, all in the reserve. They're growing like you wouldn't believe. Yes. Now we'll try, try your roundup and see how you go with that. I've tried the sickle. I've cut them off with the sickle <laughs> and they just continue to grow the next day. They would, yes. They're yes. very, very, um, very, very hardy. It's 21 minutes past 12. Gardening talk back right through until 1.30. Taking your calls on 49216216. We'll take a short break. We come back with Kay from Woodbury next. Newcastle and Hunter Valleys, 2NURFM 103.7. It's Gardening Talkback, taking your calls on 49216216. David Peterson's here, and he's saying hello to you right now as we're joined from Woodbury by Kay. Hello, Kay. Hello, David. How are you today? Good, thank you. Good. I was just wanting to ask you, I have a mandevilla mm-hmm. growing in a pot. I've had it a few years now, but the flowering's just starting to finish on it. But a lot of the leaves are starting to yellow. Okay. Look, the only, the only problem with mandevilla is they are a tropical thing, so therefore they like the warmer weather. And particularly with what we've had lately with all this rain, it makes them very wet and cold, and that will affect them. It will always cause the older leaves to sometimes go yellow and fall off. I wouldn't worry dramatically about that because, as I said, it's only because of the wet weather. So right. once they dry out again, they should be fine. Just make sure you don't keep it too wet throughout the winter months. Clean up all those leaves that have actually fallen because they may just contain a fungal disease. And as oh, a precaution, okay, as a precaution, I would strongly suggest that if you haven't if you haven't already got get some mancozeb and just mix that up according to directions and just water that through your pot so you're actually getting the mixture through the the soil in case there is a fungal disease there. All right, okay then. All right. Okay then, excellent. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Bye bye. And we've got Mick with us now from Fern Bay. Hello, Mick. Hello, David. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm good. Mate, I just need a little bit of advice about my roses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you know, the soil at, at Fern Bay is a bit 
sandy. Very sandy, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, the roses seem to be going okay, but um, they, I mean, they, they look healthy enough, but they just seem to be struggling as far as blooming. Okay. Now, I've, I've hit them with, a, with uh, I, I use rose food and that. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, is there anything I can add to the soil uh, that may give them that little boost they need. Look, there certainly is. And, I mean, of course, when you've got sandy soil, with, with us constantly watering, you leach a lot of the products out of the soil. And in saying that, I mean, you, you still need to add your fertilisers every six to eight weeks and even some compost or cow manure every six to eight weeks because once that's gone, it is gone. Besides that, sometimes the soil does become a little bit on the sour side and it's often a good idea, particularly in your case if you haven't done it, once every 12 months just lime the soil, particularly around roses because they do like the soil to be nice and sweet. And lime actually changes the soil from being a little bit sour to a little bit sweeter. So therefore, if you just dust the ground with lime, water that in, or else just leave it because you don't need to actually water it in, it will eventually go down once we get rain or you water anyway. So probably just a little bit of garden lime mick around your roses wouldn't go astray. No worries. All right. Hope that solves the problem. So do I. Thanks, Mick. Have a good day, boy. Bye-bye. It's 49216216 if you'd like to give us a call for Gardening Talk Back. A little bit of housekeeping from last week. We took a couple of calls. One of those was on lunar gardening. Yes, it was. Gardening by the moon, David. It was, yes. And I do appreciate. I've had some information. I only just got it today in the mail from Charlie. Uh, So we just want to thank Charlie very much for sending that through. I'm going to read that newspaper article because apparently it's uh, from the International Express uh, from England so I'm, I'm going to read that and hopefully get back to you next week or, um, and just give you some brief ideas of what came about that um, newspaper article. And another one tidying up from last week also. Yes. Another correspondence There got. was on uh, on the acid sulphate and that was um, uh, from, uh, let me see Tony Abavaglassen. Now look I just wanted to say to Tony, I went in on the computer, lots and lots of information on acid sulphate, very confusing to me because I've never come across acid sulfate problems before. It's very, very technical. Uh, what I would suggest to Tony is that he does get in contact with the CSIRO because I could not find any remedy for acid sulfate. Lots of information on what acid sulfate does to the ground and the conditions around, but certainly no cure. So Tony, if you're listening, hopefully you are, uh, just contact the CSIRO and just see whether they have any solutions to that. And one other thing I want wanted to mention, Dave, also I got uh, a lady that's uh, hand-dropped in a recipe for Lily Pilly uh, jam, which we also mentioned last week. So if anyone's ever interested in Lily Pilly jam, I will have those instructions at the nursery by this afternoon again. Okay, it's 28 minutes to one. Gardening Talkback, we are going to continue with calls. Stephen joins us from Maitland Neck. Gardening Talkback, 49216216. David Peterson is here till 1.30 today. And joining us on the phone from Maitland is Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Stephen. Hi, how are you going? Good, thank you. Um, what I wanted to ask you, David, I've got a pot of, um, I don't know the botanical name, but they're called paintbrushes. Right. I, I think it's, it's in the pineapple lily family. Okay. You know, they, they get those big orange, um, it's like a pom-pom. Okay, that, that, that might be a caliandra that you're thinking of. It looks uh, like a pom-pom. Yeah, but they're sort of about, well, probably four or five inches in diameter. Right. What did you want um, to know about it, Stephen? When when should I repot them? If, okay. You know, they've withered off a bit at the moment. Okay. 
Um, but I've, you know, they've multiplied a lot and I want to split them up. Okay, well what you'll need to do is leave that until early spring and certainly it sounds more like a tropical thing going into the Heliconias or something like that by the sounds of it if it's clumping from the base. So you'll leave that until spring. So we're looking at around about September, October till the weather starts warming up. Then you can take it out, you can split it up and repot it into some really, really good premium potting mixture. But don't do anything during the winter months because if you go putting more soil around all these ones that you're splitting up, I'd say you'll probably find that you may lose it. So you just be very, very careful throughout the winter months. Keep them a little bit on the dry side and wait until springtime to do that. Yeah, it's sort of it's dying off a bit now. Yep, that's what I thought. If the flowers come before the leaves, you know. Okay, all right then. That Okay, that sounds very much like a, another bulbous thing that I'm familiar with, which I had in my garden years ago, and I can remember now that it was called a paintbrush plant. Yeah, they're but very unusual. They are, they are. They're also called a blood lily from memory as well. It's just okay. coming back to mind. So, yeah, leave that until springtime, definitely now that we've distinguished what it is, uh, and redo them all then. But as I said, make sure you use a good premium prodding mixture. Okay, all right. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks very much. Okay, bye-bye bye. now. And we've got John with us now from Adamstown Heights. Hello, John. Oh, good afternoon, David. How are you? Good, thank you. David, I've got a couple of questions, if I could, put to you. Certainly. The first one, uh, a quarter line. Now, yes. I know we're supposed to uh, trim that back in early September. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is I shan't be around in September, but would that be okay to do that in early October? Oh, look, certainly. I mean, September, October is not a great deal of difference, and certainly something like a quarter line, you wouldn't get much growth until round about October onwards anyway. So, look, John, that's not going to be a problem. Okay, so I'll do that early, early, early mm-hmm. October. The other thing is, generally, most shrubs you, you, you trim after after flowering. Yes. Now, my frangipani, it's still it's still flowering profusely. Mm-hmm. Now, when when do I prune that? You prune that during winter when it's completely dormant. So once all the foliage and flowers have fallen off, it's gone into its sleep mode, and that's mm-hmm. definitely the time to prune it back, or else harvest some cuttings ready for next year. Oh, excellent. I, I wasn't sure if I had to wait till September. No, not at all. During uh, the winter is the best time you actually cut them off. If you're wanting to keep those cuttings, you just throw them on the ground and then in spring you repot them to wherever you're wanting to put them. Oh, okay. That's, that's excellent. Thank you kindly for that. Last but not least, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in relation to a poinsettia, I, I've got one here that in the la- over the last two years, it hasn't dropped leaves, it hasn't allowed me to really prune it in, in the true sense. Because normally, you know, you'd prune them back and get all the wood. It's just, it's just, just continues on, um, like there's no tomorrow. So, what should I do? When, when's the right time to actually prune it? Okay. Well, normally with poinsettias, they will naturally go red during this time of the year, during the cooler months. So the leaves will actually turn red. So leave it throughout the winter months. And then once we get into spring, you'll probably find by the end of winter, it's probably looking really, really untidy. So in early spring, when you're starting to see some young growth to appear... Early October? Yeah, just once... You, that's right, when you're going to prune your cordyline, that's probably a good idea to sacrifice some growth to try and encourage some good lower growth. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. All right. That puts everything in perspective. That's wonderful, John. Thank you, David. Okay, bye-bye Bye now. Bye now. Thank it's you. It's Gardening Talkback, 49216216 from Belmont North. Hello, Cole. Uh, good morning, David. How are nice you? afternoon, actually. It is now, yes. <laughs> I've got a query on a rhododendron. Yes. I bought one in Melbourne about three years ago. I've had it in a pot, quite a large pot. It's, it's going beautifully. It flowered magnificently this year. 
starting to get a little bit big for the pot, and I'm wondering what my chances are of survival if I put it out in the uh, in the ground, and where would be a good aspect for it to be placed. Okay. We don't often see a lot of these mountain rhododendrons these days because our because our winters are warming up and particularly when you're in Belmont you certainly wouldn't get a cold winter at That's all. Right. Uh, so the best I mean obviously the best position is where you've got it at the moment but yes, certainly it's if in you a can and it's doing oh, beautifully. That's, that's probably why, yes. So you've got to try and uh, replicate this position again out in the garden. So somewhere where it's reasonably shady and cool, particularly the root system. So once you plant it in the ground, mulch it really heavily so you're keeping that root system nice and cold or nice and moist and cool, yep. uh, particularly during the warmer months. It's not necessarily a problem during the winter, but certainly once we get to the warmer months, it needs to be kept nice and cool because they flower in our season and during October, of course, so that's when it's starting to warm up. So that's all I can suggest to you is to try and just replicate this position and just put a really good heavy mulch around underneath it to try and keep it as cool as possible during the summer months. Okay. All right. Good Thanks, luck with that. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Till when you are... Easy listening to when you are FM 103.7. It's Gardening Talk back with David Peterson. We are here to take your call. It's about what's going on in your garden today. And let's find out what's happening in Shirley's garden at Adamstown. Hello, Shirley. Hello, David. Um, I have a problem with my hydrangea. Mm-hmm. It has all these black and brown um, marks on the, um, uh, on the leaves. Yes. Um, it hasn't got a, a web on it like as if there's a spider mm-hmm. there. It's just all comes brown and it goes onto the flowers also. Yes, well, that's just quite natural this time of the year because it's, we're going into the winter months, so therefore hydrangeas are starting to feel the cold weather. So we'll always find that you may not always get it every year, depending on the seasons, but this year we've had lot, a lot of rain, and that will cause a lot of problems, particularly with well, hydrangeas. I have had them the last couple of years. The first year I had them in, they were beautiful. But since then I've got this brown... Marking, yes. Marking. Well, see, what we normally do now, Shirley, is once we get into the, right into the winter months, it, well, they'll probably lose all their foliage completely. So then they'll be just sticks. And that's when we can just give them a bit of a light prune back to put them into some sort of reasonable shape. But I don't think I'd be worrying too much about them at the moment because, as I said, that is quite natural for hydrangeas to look like that, particularly with all the wet weather that we have had. Uh, I would expect them to look a little bit untidy. Make sure you just, of course, gather up all those leaves preferably if that have fallen and dispose of those just in case they do um, have a disease on them Uh, but certainly there'd be nothing else that you would need to do to them. Yeah, well, I cut them right back. Good, yeah, no, that's the best thing. They'll yep. still come back this winter. Yes. Now, well, they, they won't do very much at all now. They'll start to slow right down until yep. the springtime, and that's when they'll shoot out ready to flower for this summer. So there's nothing you can nothing do? Nothing you can do to them now. It's just quite natural because of all the wet weather that we've had, Shirley. Oh, okay. All right. Okay, thank you. You're much. welcome, Shirley. Bye. Bye-bye. And from Belmont North, here's Helen. Hello, Helen. Uh, hello, David. Um, look, we have a, a grafted Lisbon lemon tree mm-hmm. in, a, in a large pot. Uh, it's probably about 12-year-old, maybe a bit older, and it's very sick. It's um, got black spot on it. It's got white little white things underneath the leaves, mm-hmm. um, and I've just found a little tiny green insect on it about the size of a match head. Mm-hmm. We've sprayed it with 
pest oil and yes. we've sprayed it with comfort oil. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, of course, a tree that's been in a pot that long, long will, of course, be under a great deal of stress. Now, mm, the, un- the, <laughs> the only thing you can do is if you've got a spot out in the garden somewhere that you can plant it or else put it into a bigger pot so there's more root area for it to go into new soil. Yes. Um, as far as the disease on the actual plant goes, obviously the pest oil isn't going to be strong enough because it's, it sounds like it's got some scale on it. So yes. you probably need to get yourself a product called anti-scale. Now anti-scale is a little bit stronger than what the pest oil is and you'll just yes. need to use that according to directions. But you'll also need to repeat that, Helen, in 14 days' time. Make sure you follow up with another spray just to be on the safe side. Yes. So if you're going to repot it into something bigger or put it into the ground, that would solve your problems as far as the stress goes. But certainly if you cannot do any of those things and you must leave it in this pot, it's probably a good idea to just probably feed it a little more so, just with a pelleted manure, remembering we cannot use the normal citrus fertiliser on potted citrus because it's a chemical fertiliser, so it can burn. So just stick with your pelleted manures and just throw some of that around it. And also at the same time, because it's been in this pot for so long, you may need to try and sweeten the soil just by sprinkling a, sprinkling a little bit of garden lime around your pot as well. But I think if you do all those things, you should have it coming up nicely for the springtime. Oh, okay, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye, Thank Helen. Thank you, bye. And waiting for us patiently at Aberglasslin is Tony. Hello, Tony. Hi, David. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, I'm just uh, in regard to that answer to the question. Yes. I did I did a fair bit of research on that. All I could find when I went online was just what what was happening the cause of acid sulfate. I didn't actually find any cure. It I don't know whether you've done that yourself, gone online and just read through about what causes the acid sulfate problems. Well, we believe that the uh, top-up soil has uh, come from a uh, metal place. Yes. I, that, that, that didn't come about as far as what I was actually looking at online. I would strongly suggest if you have access to Internet that you go on and type in acid sulfate because it ha- it, it's, a great, it's very detailed, um, and I can't go through it all on air, but it is extremely detailed about what causes acid sulfate. But unfortunately, there's no cure. And what I suggested earlier on the program is that you contact the CSIRO and see if you can get any more information from them. Of course, we do have a local CSIRO in Mayfield, so just give them a call and see whether they can enlighten you on anything any further. Good luck with that, Tony. Thanks for the call. We'll take a short break. We're back with Catherine from Madawi next. Hello, Catherine. You have. How are you? Good. Um, for, for David Peterson, oh, look, we've got a bit of a problem with the lawn area. Mm-hmm. We, um, we've re-laid turf there more than one occasion. We've dug the soil out. We've, re- we've put new soil in. We've put weeding agents in it. Now, we were told because there was a camphor laurel growing that the drip line from the camphor laurel will stop this lawn. Is that right? Well, look, certainly with camphor laurels, I mean, they do contain camphor, which, of course, can be a little bit of a problem. But I've never known them to actually cause problems, particularly if you're building the soil up above it. Certainly with the camphor laurel leaves falling on the ground, yes, they do prevent the, the grass from growing. But certainly if the camphor laurel has gone and you've, you've put more soil in there uh, and built... still there. It's about a, three, uh, about a ten metre 
tree. Oh, I see. So it's still in the ground. Yeah. Okay. Well, therefore, in that case, if the leaves do fall on the ground, yes, they do prevent the grass from growing because there is camphor in that actual leaf that causes problems and prevents things from growing. That's why you'll see camphor laurels growing out in the paddocks and nothing grows underneath them because it's, it's the camphor oil that well, prevents actually, anything. Yeah, if it's, um, it's actually in a garden. Right. Right. I'm surprised to you're telling me you actually got a camphor laurel in your garden. I know. It's amazing because we just do not grow camphor laurels in suburban gardens. We thought it was a lovely shade tree, so we (laughs) (laughs) so we let it grow there. But we've got crow's nest growing underneath it quite well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they've got those leaves dropping in them as well. Yes. Yes. Every now and again, they don't seem to be worrying the crow's nest. But it's the lawn just outside the garden border where the tree overhangs and we thought well, maybe the drip line with the camphor is still dripping into the soil. Yes, well, it probably would be so because, as I said, I have never seen grass growing underneath a camphor laurel because of that reason. So we should get rid of the big tree, huh? Camphor laurels should never be grown in a suburban garden because not only they can contain camphor, which can cause problems, they also have an incredibly invasive root system, which you should never have in your garden. Mm, yeah, okay. It seems to be dying out as well, though, up on the top, so we, we might just... We've, we've removed a few of the branches that overhang the lawn. Right. And that seems to have made a bit of a difference. But do you think the... Well, there doesn't seem to be that many roots coming out. Under, in there the, will be. There will be. I would certainly yeah, suggest heavily that you try and get the tree out of the garden. There you go. Good luck with that, Catherine, and thank you for giving us a call. We're inviting your calls on 49216216 right through until 1.30 today. It's Gardening Talk back with David Peterson, and we're going to go to the latest in local news from the Hunter Newsroom in around about three minutes' time at 1 o'clock. Be patient. Stay with us. We'd love to get your calls. Weather update for our sponsor... Easy listening to and you are FM 103.7, 10 past 1 for our Monday afternoon. Loving the sunshine beaming in through the window here and loving hearing about your garden and what's going on in your garden. You can call us on 49216216 if you'd like to be part of the program. Talking to David right through until 1.30 today. And we're going to Hamlin Terrace. We raised our eyebrows. We don't know where that is, Cheryl, but it's on the Central Coast apparently. Yes, it's um, behind Wyong Hospital. Oh, okay, in that area. Very nice yeah. area. All Is right. Near the kangaroos? <laughs> kangaroos down there at Wyong Hospital near there? Uh, I'm thinking of Morissette, sorry, Morissette oh, Hospital. Okay. No, we still have some kangaroos. You do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovely. That's very Australian. <laughs> what can I do for you, Cheryl? Um, I have a problem that um, came about a, um, three or four years ago that we just can't solve. It's in the front garden, I think. Now, what's happening is our car, which is white, and out the front of our house, which is cream, is becoming covered in, in black dots, which I think is um, maybe excrement from a bug or something. We, we go out there, we can't see it. Um, we can clean the car off and go out an hour later and they're back. I've contacted um, several nurseries and spoken to people. One answer I got was it um, was a bug from the garden. Uh, another answer was that it was actually they were coming from the soil, and the third um, possible scenario was that it's um, a fungal spore, which I doubt because it's jumping right up into the house and onto the garden. Now the next door neighbours don't have it, but my friend who lives down the road she has it as well. Look, this is most intriguing that you say this because I mean. Um, 
I have problems with with uh, with spots on my car, and I, I've found out finally that it's actually bee wax. I mean, normally it's a it's a lighter shade, it's a tanny sort of colour, where yours are black. But often you'll find if you get bees fly over your car, they deposit bee wax, and this is what causes the little dots on the car. And sometimes it is very difficult to get this off. Perhaps this is the same sort of thing, but it's most unusual that you're actually getting so much of it, uh, rather than just uh, intermittent times that you've got it on your car. So th- it washes off, I should assume. Um. I can't get it off the house now. Really? Wow. Paintwork. It leaves a brown stain. Yes. Um, but the peculiar thing about this is it's only on the side of the car that faces the garden. Oh, okay. The roof, the front and the back, and it's not on the side that's not next to the garden. All right. Well, the only other thing I can suggest to you there is just get a sample of this if you possibly can. And once again, we mentioned the CSIRO, CSIRO a little earlier in the program. Perhaps you could just contact them and see whether they can test it to actually see what it was and that way it would of course put your mind at ease as well so do, just do that take, take just if you, see, you can collect a few samples uh, take it to the CSRO and see if they will be able to help you out there and we'd love to get your feedback if you find yeah. out about that Cheryl please call us back in a few weeks and let us know how that goes for you we've got Greg with us now from Dungog hello Greg hello David uh, thanks very much for your time uh, two questions if I may mm-hmm is it possible to propagate uh, table grape species from the seed of the fruit? I uh, did an experiment with some seeds in one of those propagating trays, you know, with a clear yes. plastic lid, and it was a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Well, look, certainly with any grapes, they're not grown from seed. They're mostly grown from cuttings because they strike from cuttings so readily and so well. So this yes. is why you will always find that the best way to propagate your grapes is via cutting, not by seed. If you grow it from the seed of the grape, you may end up with anything. You may end up with just a very unusual variety and not the actual grape that you've taken it from. So once again, this is why they are propagated from cuttings. From cuttings. Yes. Um, The second question, I have a very old uh, orange tree, 50 or 60 years old, species unknown, Mm. bountiful in fruit and uh, heaps of juice but uh, always sour. Now, my soil, unfortunately, has a chronic pH of about 4.9. yes. So this uh, could be a contributor to the problem. It could be. Now, of course, to try and solve that, of course, you can dust the ground with lime, probably a little more so than you normally would to sweeten the soil. But not only that, the the product that you probably hear me mention several times, potash, is available, which I have found that people have used, and it does make the fruit a little bit sweeter. But then, of course, the old-fashioned thing is that when you get your first frost, that will always uh, make your oranges much sweeter, whether that's true or not. I really don't know. No, no, like it's, it's right through the season, yes. you know, right into August. And so, like that. So, so try the potash if you haven't already tried that. Is that uh, broadcast around the base of the... That's uh, right. You, you buy a granulated form of potash and you just yes. sprinkle it around the drip area of the tree and make sure you water that in quite thoroughly. And, of course, you could do exactly the same with the garden lime at with the, the same lime, time, yeah. yes, to yes. sweeten the soil, so... Sometimes they paint the trunk with a lime wash. Is that for a different uh, issue altogether? I think it probably would be for a different issue because I certainly haven't ever recommended painting the tree with yeah. with a lime wash. I mean, you see that on roses and things, but certainly I haven't found it on, on citrus trees. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. It's Gardening Talkback, 49216216. Michelle joins us now from Charlestown. Hello, Michelle. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. 
I've got a lime tree, which yes. is about four or five years old and doing quite okay. But I heard something the other day about um, water shoots on citrus. Mm-hmm. And it needs a bit of a trim. It's got one branch that's died. But when I went to have a look, it seems that there are lots of old water shoots which have turned into wood. And I'm wondering, should I cut those off? Because they don't really fruit, do they? Well, it depends what we're classifying as being a water shoot. Because a water shoot, it always, we see this a lot on roses. They shoot out a very, very strong stem above the graft. I mean, anything, of course, that's coming below the graft is should be cut out immediately because otherwise it will overtake the main tree. But normally water shoots appear above the graft, so they're a nice, good, strong, healthy uh, wood uh, or growth, and then they will turn into a normal wood of the tree. Now, if this is the case where you've got multi-stems coming up from the lime tree, you can leave them if you really want to. Otherwise, if you just want to keep them at a single trunk, yes, you can cut those water shoots off without any trouble at all, as long as you've still got a canopy of growth at the top that will still function as your lime tree. So, as I said, it's not going to affect the tree in any way by having these water shoots, as long as they are coming from above the graft union. Yeah, they are. They're on okay. the branches. So yep. really then... I should just cut off what's died and give it a gentle... Yeah, I would. Certainly, that's what I would be doing. Okay. Now, next question, just quickly. Yes. Um, I've got um, some palms and date palms, which generally are in shade, um, and they have a black, um, you know, like a rust Mm -hmm. sort of a fungus or something on them, and it's there permanently, and it it drops, it marks whiz-bends and all sorts of things. Okay. Mm -hmm. But it's so heavy, I don't think I could spray it with an antifungicide because I think it would take months, you know, it just seems so stubborn. Is there any trick to get rid of that? Well, certainly there's no trick. I mean, you sound like you have some sooty mould as well as scar, which a fungal thing will not cure because it's not a fungal problem. It's actually an insect problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, You need a product called anti-scar. Certainly what I would suggest prior to you actually using the anti-scar is if you can hose it as, as strongly as a jet as you possibly can, hose all your palm fronds so you're getting a lot of the disease off initially. Mm-hmm. Then once that dries, spray it with your anti-scar and then make sure you repeat this again in 14 days' time. Now that's all you should really do. It will then be time, a matter of weathering and watering, that eventually all this disease will disappear. But as long as you do it properly, these both these these two times, you should actually get on top of that disease fairly quickly. Particularly if you're doing it now, it will probably take up until spring to show any signs of recovery. But certainly if you get in now and do it, it will shoot away nicely for you in spring. There you go. It's Gardening Talk back 49216216 if you'd like to be part of the program. Now 19 past one. It's Gardening Talk back this afternoon. Peter's with us from Medford. Hello, Peter. Hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, uh, really nice days, aren't they? They're beautiful days <laughs> today, Peter. Yeah. Um, the question, I've got some gardenias, mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted to know, uh, have you got a preference to uh, sugar cane mulch or loosen mulch? Okay. Well, sugar cane mulch is readily available. Sometimes loosen mulch is a little more difficult to get hold of, and it is a little bit more expensive than sugar cane mulch. So I personally just use the sugar cane mulch. As long as you put it on nice and thick, it keeps the weeds down, and, of course, it keeps yeah. them nice and moist through the winter months. So probably oh. more more likely you would, you'd, you're probably able to get sugar cane more so than you can loosen. 
Okay. All right. And, and should, should they uh, be fed all, all winter time? The gardenias, well, they should yeah. be in flower at the moment. So once they're finished flowering, you can then feed them to push them through the winter months till they're spring flowering. And then after they're spring flowering, that's when you'll feed them again to push them through the summer months. So they're probably the two major times that you'll need to feed them. Okay. Thank right. you. You're welcome, Peter. Bye. Well done, Peter. Steve's with us now from Soldiers Point. Hello, Steve. Hello, David. How are you? Very good, thank you. That's the way. We have um, two gardenias down by the pool area. Not that the pool water gets on them or anything, but they get like a black deposit on them. I don't know whether it's a fungal thing or whether it's from the pest. Um, have you got any ideas what it could be? Certainly I do. I mean, it's a very common thing for this to get, to get for gardenias to get this particular problem. It's commonly called sooty mould and it's caused by having a scale on your gardenias as well. If you look right. really, really closely, Steve, at your gardenias, you may see some little bumps or lumps over the leaf or even some flecks like a pencil fleck. Now, this is still a form of scale. This then attracts the sooty mould. Now, the only way you you can get on top of that is by getting yourself a product called anti-scale and you'll need yes, you'll need to mix that according, according to directions and spray that over your gardenias making sure that you both do the top of the foliage as well as underneath but in saying that don't drench them with this product just lightly spray them up on top and underneath and make sure Steve you go back over and redo that again in 14 days just to make sure and you'll find eventually then with weathering and watering, a lot of the black and a lot of the scar will just die away and um, be washed off. Okay, no worries at all. And would it be right to prune those back a little bit or not worry about it? Well, certainly at this time of the year, they should be in flower. If they have finished flowering, you can trim them back very, very lightly, but then you'll let them flower in the springtime, which is their major time for flowering, and that's when you can prune them back nice and hard. Okay, no worries. Thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Steve. Okay, thanks, David. Bye. Bye. Let's make our way to Lambton where Kate's waiting patiently. Hello, Kate. Uh, hi, guys. Um, yeah. Do you prefer cow manure or poultry manure, um, David? I can certainly answer that very, very quickly. I certainly suggest the cow manure. Uh, there's a reason behind that. First of all, the cow manure serves as a mulch as well as a feeding manure, where you'll find poultry manure only serves as a feeding manure. And sometimes poultry manure can alter the pH of the soil, so you've got to be careful what you use it on. And secondly, sometimes the poultry manure can be a little bit strong and it can burn things very, very easily. Well, that was one of the reasons that I wanted to ask because I knew that poultry manure could burn mm. and I thought, well, I wouldn't be going to try it on anything. <laughs> you know, I'd bugger it up. Well, that's right. I mean, look, certainly we sell lots and lots of cow manure. I don't even sell poultry manure these days because I found that I just kept swinging people towards cow manure because it's a much better manure to use on the garden. Uh-huh. Another question, please. When is a lot of leaf mulch too much leaf mulch? <laughs> when you find it's not breaking down quick enough on the garden. So if you can add thin layers of leaf mulch to your garden and let it mulch down quicker, because if you go piling it on, that's when you'll find that it will not break down easily unless you keep turning the leaves, and there's no sense in doing that anyway. So very thin layers, um, very frequent, is much better than a lot all at once. Yeah, well, I don't put it there. It, they, it just arrives off the tree. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I thought, oh, gee, this is a, you know, and it's sort of a big area that it covers. Right. Yeah. Um, another question, please. Mm -hmm. um, 
Do you have a recommendation for killing the ants? Um, I mean, I've tried so many things. They disappear for maybe a day and then they're back with their millions. Well, look, certainly there are a lot of ant powders out there, which I think works extremely well because if you can find the nest, you can sprinkle the powder over the nest or around the nest. And what they do is they trap the powder on their little legs and then they take it down into the nest and they fumigate the nest. So I think overall the powders are best if you can get those. Remember, you need to replace it after each uh, rain period or watering uh, so that you've got it nice and fresh there all the time. Okay, hopefully that helps you. Thanks for your calls today there, Kate. And we've got our last call right now from Curry Curry. It's Gwen. Hello, Gwen. Hello, David. Um, when do you prune hibiscus? Okay, well, hibiscus are a little different to a lot of other things. I mean, normally we do a lot of pruning during the spring months, but hibiscus preferably need to be left a little bit longer than spring. Well, I should I should rephrase that. We're still in spring, but a little bit um, uh, further I into the we spring. We're in autumn, David. We are in autumn now, yeah. but uh, we've got to wait until spring. We yes. don't prune our hibiscus during winter at all. We leave them and okay. let them go right through winter until we get to around about October. Now, October is really a good time of the oh, year to be pruned hibiscus because then you know for sure they're going to bounce back into life very very quickly yes. if we prune them now they're going to look really really bad during the winter months very unsightly at least during the winter time we've got some foliage and we may even be very lucky to get a flower on them throughout the winter months as well mm-hmm. so leave them right through until october gwen yeah i inherited this garden and it's got a crepe myrtle a hibiscus and mm-hmm. the flowers out now it's a beautiful big shrub with a purple flower with a white tip around the edge. Oh, okay, okay. And um, that has just gone mad because it's over my bedroom window, mm-hmm. which has been good in the summer months because it kept the sun out. But I need the sun now, so it's got to get a haircut. I've just done the uh, crepe myrtle. Good, and I good. Look, the uh, hibiscus is flowering. It looks so nice. No, we'll like let it flower, it. let it flower, okay. and you can leave it right and through to about October. And they can have fun. I inherited this garden. And well, that's fun great. Mm. All right, Gwen. Okay, thanks, Dave. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, and thank you to all your calls today. Wow. We went really well. That's been a busy day for the last hour and a half. But it just uh, goes to show that autumn's a busy time of the year in the garden, Dave, and particularly when we've got days like today. Yeah, beautiful day. Now, we're recapping this wonderful gift pack that you have here for we someone are. who's won this today, so let's have a look at that. Okay, and it consists of this beautiful little abelia, the new little dwarf abelia called bumblebee, and then we've got a bottle of the harvest, that's the soluble plant food, as well as the aquamagic uh, water-restoring granules, and I'm going to give it to Helen today of Belmont North. So congratulations, Helen. All you really need to do is make your way through to or down to Walls End Community Nursery. Of course, that's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road Walls End. One condition, try and get in before next Monday's program where I'll have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. Well done, David. Plenty Thank of you, Dave. There. It's been a good day today. Very, it has very been. Yeah. It's been very enjoyable. And we'll be back next Monday. We will be. So good gardening, everyone. That's Gardening Talk Back, and that's David Peterson back from midday next Monday here at 2NURFM. Coming